Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams. If you want to follow the podcast on Facebook, do a search on Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone and the Facebook page will pop right up. If you want to follow the podcast on X, True Social, and Gitter, search for at RKY Freedom. That's at RKY Freedom. Also, this podcast now has a hashtag called RKY Freedom. Therefore, if you want to comment on something I had said during this podcast or written about on social media, use the hashtag RKY Freedom. If you have a suggestion or think I should interview a guest, then email me, Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at P R O T O N M A I L.com. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. Dr. Michelle Jorgensen is a renowned holistic dentist, author of five books, and a holistic health advocate. Her transformation journey began when mercury exposure from traditional dentistry made her severely ill. She evolved into a board-certified naturopath and therapeutic nutritional counselor, seemingly integrating medicine and dentistry. For a decade, Dr. Jorgensen has been a pioneer in foundational integrative dentistry through her total care dental and wellness way, attracting patients from all over the globe. Beyond her dental care practice, she's the founder of Living Well with Dr. Michelle, teaching essential life skills with a charity arm, the Living Well Today Foundation, supporting those in need. A busy mother of four, she is passionate about teaching and helping others and is a sought-after podcast guest. Known for her knack in simplifying crucial topics and providing practical, real-world solutions for listeners. Stay tuned for a wonderful, fascinating discussion Discussion. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. If you are looking for a fun, quirky, mystery, family-friendly adventure, then The World Maker's Assistant may be the book for you. Set in another galaxy, it will have you wondering why Play-Doh, paint, and glue are some of the ingredients on a beloved baking show who's piloting the elusive planet-destroying ship, and if V, the main character, will find her place in the galaxy. If this is your kind of story, visit Amazon.com or OlympiaPublished.com and search for The World Maker's Assistant by Cheryl Olson. Folks, I've read this book and found it very addicting. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to put it down. And you know what? I'd much rather have my teenage or young adult son or daughter read a book like this than a lot of other books out there. So go check out The World Maker's Assistant on Amazon.com or OlympiaPublished.com today. Well, Michelle, it's great to have you here on the podcast. How have you been? Very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm very intrigued. Actually, a friend of mine who I've interviewed on a similar uh, previous podcast on a different feed, Sam Bushman, told me about you years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, he spoke very highly of you. So, And I'm intrigued by what you're doing. You've changed a lot uh, since uh, since you've been on my previous feed back in 2020. In terms you know, of your your website and all, yeah, probably so. It's hard to it's hard to know. You know, when you look backwards, you <laughs> you don't you don't really know how you got to where you got. But uh, I'm sure there have been a lot of changes, actually. Oh yeah. So uh, tell us how you got into holistic dentistry. 
You know, it's interesting. It's certainly not the path I intended to take. I did not plan to change the kind of dentistry I was doing. I was working. I actually was working with my father at the time and practice was growing. I was a busy cosmetic dentist, really loving what I was doing. And my health just started turning south. And I started having a lot of problems with my gut with, I just couldn't eat anything. And I was having memory issues. I couldn't remember little details that I just never had a problem with before. And then the biggest one is my hands just had a ton of numbness, lots of painful numbness. I couldn't hold instruments and do the work that I needed to do as a dentist. So I went to lots of doctors, tried to find answers everywhere and didn't find them. So finally I had the practice for sale and the, I was talking with a, another practitioner about what I could potentially do as my next steps. And he said, have you ever looked into mercury poisoning? I had never even thought about that or heard about that. <laughs> so started looking. I didn't have anything to lose at this point. Started looking and sure enough, that was my problem. Mercury poisoning like crazy, which explains all my symptoms because mercury is neurotoxic. So I had been drilling out a bunch of mercury fillings because people don't like the way they look. All those silver fillings in people's mouths are 50% mercury. They don't know that. Dentists know it, but we are told that it's safe and there can, can't be any issues with it, but that's not true. So I was drilling that all out, breathing it all in and got very sick. So I had to completely change what I was doing in, a, in my practice for my own health. But all of a sudden patients started saying, well, we're really glad you're doing this for us too. And uh, what else is there? And I had to start asking those questions too. What else is there in dentistry that I don't know about that my profession isn't talking about that I just simply have never even learned. And I found an entirely different world that I didn't know about. And that world has really opened up as patients have wanted it. You know, they ask me, well, I have, I'm struggling with Lyme disease. What do you know about dentistry that might influence that? Uh, you know, I have hearing issues ringing in my ears. What about the mouth could be influencing that? I have autoimmune disease, just on and on and on. And so my practice has completely changed. I've actually uh, got back to school and become a naturopath as well. And um, really bringing everything health-based into one place. So we can look at it all in the same place. And that's really how I got to where I was, where I am now, not intentionally, but simply because of, I had to. How did you study holistic dentistry? Cause there's no school that'll teach you. So how did yeah, there's, you. <laughs> there's no such thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, I had to find, I would have to find the thing I was interested in. So when I first started having to learn how to do, how to remove those mercury fillings safely in a different way. I did find there was an organization that talks about that. So then I would go and learn from them. And then other people would say, I want, you know, do you know anything about ozone? I didn't know anything about ozone. So I'd have to go find somebody that talked about ozone. So there isn't one place that you can just go learn all of these things. I had to go specifically find practitioners that were teaching individual treatment modalities, methodologies, and I had to piecemeal all of this together. So how did you find those practitioners? They thankfully did have online resources that I could find and other practitioners too. So reaching out to others who had been down this path before, finding who they had gone to learn from, or some of those had already started training themselves. So they were training other doctors also just to try to shortcut the process. And I've since done the same. Now I train other doctors because I want to make this easier for them as well. Yeah. So you, let's talk about that. You do train other doctors. Uh, do you put on conferences there in Utah or how do you go about training people? 
Yeah, a few different things. I have online training courses on the internet that uh, dentists can subscribe to and learn there. And we also have a membership group where there's ongoing content, ongoing training. In fact, I just did a big presentation last night for our membership group. We also do live training. The big, the big thing that I want as I, you know, no one's going to be trained exactly the same. And I continue my own education as well. But I believe that there's a certain baseline of care that dentists should know to be able to provide care in this way. And that baseline is a certain kind of handful of things that you should be providing if you're advertising yourself as this kind of dentist. So that's what I've focused on is teaching dentists that baseline. There's six six core modules. That's all of our online pieces. And we have a directory. So now if people say, I would love a dentist, and I have so many people asking every day, how do I find a dentist just like you? So we now have an online directory of vetted dentists that have either had comparable training elsewhere or training through us to be, you know, to establish their education in these baseline methodologies. And then we are also right now establishing an accreditation where if these doctors want to maintain or establish a second or higher level of education, they'll be accredited through our industry, through our um, company as well, again, online and some in person to be able to be accredited as a living well, uh, you know, health-based dentist. And that just gives a different level of how trust or security when, uh, you know, somebody's looking for a dentist to look and say, oh, they're actually accredited. We know what that means. We know that they've received a higher level of education. So this is all ongoing and something that we're creating as, as we see the need. So uh, walk me through, and we're going to get into some other things too, but uh, let's talk about metadentistry here and your practice. Uh, walk me through how it would be if I first came to your office and said, I want a checkup. Now, knowing that I know that you do metadentistry, a.k.a. holistic dentistry, and I want the whole thing, what would you do? Walk me through that process. So the very first time you come to our office, we do what we call a new patient physical. So it's like a physical you would have at a doctor's office, but we're focusing on a few different specific categories. As part of that physical, we do what's called a cone beam CT scan. So it's a dental specific CT scan that takes a, a three-dimensional scan or image of your entire head. And that honestly is baseline. You cannot see what we see and do what we do without having that scan because it identifies infection in at the end of old root canals and in, identifies infection in the jawbone where you had teeth removed. It identifies issues with your airway, with the, the literal tube you breathe through and um, can often explain sleep disturbance problems. If you're not sleeping, can't fall asleep, can't stay asleep, snore. We'll see. I see why this is happening. Jaw joint issues, jaw pain. I see why it's happening in three dimensions. And so this is so crucial. So every new patient gets that. And then we sit knee to knee and we discover together. We look through the CT scan together. We do a very comprehensive exam as well. And we just, I just sit with the patient and I say, listen, my job is to tell you what I would want to know if this were my mouth, if this were my head, <laughs> what I would want to know. And then your job is to figure out what you want to do about it. But we literally sit together and go through the scan. We go through all the findings and we co-diagnose. I teach them, well, this is what it should look like. What does yours look? Oh, wow. Something's going on there. Yeah. That's what this is. And that's what this means. So it's very much a discovery process and patients absolutely love it because 
they're getting the answers that they've been looking for. A lot of times people have been to eight, nine, 10 doctors before they see me. And all of a sudden we're finding answers for things that they've been struggling with for decades, health-wise, dentally and medically. And they love being able to see it and actually visualize what's going on. And it makes sense for the first time. And it really is motivational to be able to take it the next steps. So that's what you get that first visit. It's a comprehensive visit. We do a lot with you. And by the time you leave, there is a game plan and there are answers. So you're probably talking about a two or three hour visit, probably your first time, correct? Uh, yeah, it's about two hours. Sometimes if it's a more complex treatment plan, it takes a little longer on the back end to go through all the, the details. But yeah, it's about two hours. So you say that you do a scan. Do you hook somebody up to a piece of equipment and scan their mouth? Or what are you scanning exactly? Good question. So it looks like a lot of people have had a traditional dental x-ray done where it's a machine oh, yeah. that you stand in, but the machine goes all the way around your head and takes a full scan, you know, edge to edge. So this isn't the kind of dental x-ray that goes in your mouth. This is the kind that goes around your head. So that's what this is as well. So it's a huge, big machine, you know, and uh, you stand inside this machine and it goes all the way around your head and does a three-dimensional scan of everything. So do you put a piece of film in your mouth to get this scan or? Nope, it's all digital. It's all really? digital. So you just stand there and the x-ray head basically just circles your head, goes around your head while you stand there. And it digitally really? takes everything, all the information it needs. Yep, it's pretty amazing how it works. Now, do you do, because I looked on a website about holistic dentistry and there's a blood test here called, I think it's serum, S-U, or S-E-R-U-M. It's a blood sample, and I guess it uh, is supposed to let you know if you have metal in your blood and things like that. Do you do any blood tests like that? If needed. What we find is that not everybody needs this. If you have mercury oh. in your mouth, then you're getting mercury in your body. <laughs> Research shows that that mercury is being released 24-7. So if you have mercury fillings in your mouth, you absolutely can do a blood test. And we recommend you go see a, a doctor, a naturopath, someone to do the blood testing if you'd like to do that. But we can tell you already that you're going to have mercury in your system. So we're just going to get the mercury out of your mouth, get mercury out of your body. So we have a metal detox that we do along with the procedure. Really what I try to do is there's so many tests. And this is this is funny because I was just explaining this on the on the presentation I was doing last night to the other dentists. I used to test a lot of things. I used to test that, you know, for metal levels. I used to test for uh, blood sugar levels. I used to test for vitamin D. I used to test for cortisol, for um, iodine, all these things. And really what we found is that it made it so confusing because you as a patient didn't know which thing you should pay most attention to, to this metal test, to this cortisol test, to this vitamin D test. And so what I said is, you know what, we're going to test the things we treat. What do we treat? We take care of your teeth. We take care of old metals. We take care of infection of the jaws. We take care of your sleeping issues. That's what we treat. So we are going to focus all of what we do and what we talk about on that so that it's not confusing. Because typically, if you're confused, you actually can't take a step forward. So we try to simplify as much as possible and make it easier to be able to take a step towards health. Interesting. Well, I, yeah, that's intriguing. I want to talk about uh, the stomach real quick. So I looked on your blog and uh, you talked about the stomach. Mm -hmm. I assume that you did this because you wrote this during the holidays and about stomach acid and bacteria. 
you know, you mentioned that the food goes through your mouth to the stomach and that your stomach needs acid. And without that acid, you're more prone to parasites and other types of bacteria. Well, let's talk about that. Do you want to elaborate on that? Because I have questions about that later. Yeah. So the really the key and why I talk a lot about gut health is twofold. Number one, the mouth is part of the digestive tract. And people don't really think about that. You think about that 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 the digestion start starts when it hits the stomach, but it actually starts when it passes the lips. When it goes past your lips, that's when the digestion starts. So if there are digestive issues, it's very related to what's going on in the mouth too. So a lot of times I can identify gut problems just by looking in your mouth and we can treat it by looking in the mouth, by, by working with the mouth as well. So a lot of times we can actually help what's going on in your gut by helping your mouth. The second thing though, is that gut issues will often show up as dental problems. So for example, if you're getting a lot of cavities, but you take good care of your teeth, you brush your teeth, you floss your teeth, you do everything you're supposed to do, and yet you still get cavities, it tells us something isn't working right with digestion and it has to do with exactly what you were just saying with stomach acid. If you don't have enough stomach acid to actually break your food apart, then your body can't absorb the needed nutrients out of that food. So the food goes in and it goes out the other end without the nutrients stopping and feeding your cells. Your body needs certain nutrients, especially minerals to be able to run your heart, to be able to run your brain. And if it doesn't get those minerals from the food because it doesn't have enough stomach acid to break that food apart, then it will take minerals where it can find them and it finds them in your teeth and your bones. So if you're getting a lot of cavities and you take good care of your teeth, it's because your body is literally stealing those minerals from your teeth to feed the rest of you because your gut is not working properly. So we look at gut function and say, do you have enough stomach acid to break the food apart? If not, let's add stomach acid. And if not, why? What's happened that has turned that stomach acid production off? So we work with twofold. Number one, we supplement the acid for a little while so that you can get the benefit of any supplements you're taking and you can start absorbing your food. And then number two, we work to heal the gut. So that's through probiotics and another other gut healing herbal things that we recommend to be able to heal the gut so it can start absorbing on its own. And eventually you don't have to supplement it with the acid. So that's the reason is that we can do a lot with your gut and your gut tells us, you know, your teeth tell us a lot about your gut as well. We want your gut working right because then that helps your mouth to be healthier. And, you know, obviously you help you healthier as well. So let me ask you a couple of questions here. I want to talk about this. When I was, I would say, well, I know for a fact from nine up until probably 13, I was constantly getting stomach aches. I could never figure out why. And the only way that the, the only thing I could figure out for them to go away is to lay down for about an hour and a half and they'd go away. Once I turned about 13, they started happening less and less. And now I rarely have them anymore. Why is that? It's interesting. It's probably a hormonal something that changed with you, you know, when you hit puberty. Most likely something changed with your absorption, with the digestion. Most likely you weren't absorbing. It may also have been something with growth and development. If you have a very narrow jaw, narrow palate, anything like that, that's affecting your airway or your breathing, it will lead your body to actually being in a fight or flight mode. And in fight or flight mode, the stomach doesn't digest. It doesn't need to when it's running away from a bear. So you may have had something that was actually pushing your body into that fight or flight mode as well. Lots of things could have been there, and that turns off the, the stomach's ability to digest. Then 
something switched at age 13, either hormones or growth and development, something happened and your body stopped that fight or flight mode started absorbing again and the stomach ache stopped. So I'm glad they did. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know why it stopped? And do you probably, know why? Probably, probably puberty changes, either hormone changes or growth and development. Your jaws grew bigger. You had more room to breathe. A um, few different things that could have happened, but probably just all based on what happened at age 13, something growth and development related. Yeah, it was it was the funniest thing. And I wondered, too, why is it that the only way I could get rid of the stomach ache is lay down? For an hour and a half. Any That's idea? That's a good question. Yeah. The only thought I have is that that does push you into that rest and re rest and refresh mode and out of fight or flight. Cause when you lay down, your body goes into that, okay, it's time to relax. And now that's when the stomach starts to digest. It doesn't digest when we're running a marathon. It digests when we're done with a marathon and we're laying down on the side of the road. <laughs> so, so most likely you are actually pushing your body into that rest and digest mode and it started doing its job and processing the food. Yeah. So why do we think and why are doctors so adamant about prescribing you medication that will get rid of or lower your stomach acid then? A great question. It's very problematic. It's because that kind of medicine is work is working to take care of the symptom. So the symptom is the pain. The symptom is that I feel the acid in my throat. I feel the burning in my chest. These are the symptoms. And if all you're doing is focusing on the symptom, you're going to take something that will reduce the acid because that will take the symptom away. Unfortunately, what you've now done by taking the acid away is you've now made the problem even worse. The Now you are digesting nothing. You are absorbing nothing. And this doesn't, this isn't just minerals. This is proteins. Proteins require stomach acid to break them apart into the smaller amino acids. And the amino acids are what our bodies use to rebuild muscles and to rebuild things in our bodies. So if you can't break down proteins, you don't, you lose muscle mass. Um, it's what ionizes minerals. So then you absorb minerals to grow bones and, and keep healthy teeth. Um, it kills bugs. It, this is where the parasite piece comes in. You know, if you don't have enough stomach acid, it will not take care of the bacteria, parasites, whatever it is that we actually bring in with our food. So then you have a lot of bugs living in your system. So when you are reducing stomach acid, you are intensifying all of those problems, but you are masking the symptoms. The pain goes away, but you are now just making yourself sick or not better. So I tell people this every day, all the time. The key is not reducing that stomach acid and making the problem worse. The, the key is figuring out why is your stomach acid too low to begin with and how can you actually get your body producing enough so that you're digesting properly. And if people are interested in this, we have a what we call a gut health assessment on our website where you can go through a questionnaire and ask and answer questions based on, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? And it walks you down exactly what your first step would be to actually repair the gut rather than just cover up symptoms. Yeah. I notice you have something called HCL that you can yep. take. And I don't know exactly how that works. No, this is not an advertisement, folks. Just a conversation. <laughs> exactly. HCL digest. So what that is, HCL stands for hydrochloric acid. <laughs> and, oh, okay. so, uh, and so it's just the literal acid in your stomach. Oh, literal okay. Acid in your stomach. And so if you don't have enough, then you take that. And, and I have lots of free resources. Again, like you said, not an advertisement, lots of free resources. Go find what I call my ba the baking soda test. You can take the baking soda test. It's an easy test you do in your own kitchen at home. And it will tell you, do you have too little stomach acid? That's the starting point to find that out. So go take the baking soda test, find out do you have too little stomach acid? And if so, 
then you actually need to add more stomach acid along with food to be able to start digesting properly. Yes, I saw that. I, I think you're supposed to burp with what, a minute or two or something when you take yeah, that? Two to three minutes, you should be yeah. burping. Yep, you okay. drink a baking soda and water solution and you should be burping in two to three minutes. That's the baking soda test. It's a yeah. great thing because you can do it just at home. Well, let's talk about uh, root canals. That's an interesting subject. I, I understand even the your traditional dentists now are starting to question root canals. Let's talk about that because I went into a website here that des uh, describes holistic dentistry and there's a proper way to remove root canals. And last time we talked years ago, back in 2020, you didn't do them. Now, have your viewpoint changed on that? Because it says here on this website I went to, there's a proper way to do so. What is your opinion about root canals and all those things? The problem is, is the anatomy of a tooth. The root canal procedure has been around for over 100 years, and the concept is great. If the tooth is dead or dying, What's dead or dying is the nerve and the blood valve, basically the nerve in the inside of the tooth. There's a channel or a canal on the inside of the tooth. That's why we call it a root canal. It's a canal inside of the root and it houses the blood vessels. It houses the nerves of the tooth. And if the tooth is infected, dead or dying, that is the part that's gotten infected is that nerve and blood vessel tissue. So the root canal, the, the concept is awesome. You go in and clean out the dead tissue in the inside of that root canal. You fill it up with a plastic-like material and the tooth goes on and chews for, you know, a long time more. The problem is, is that there's not just one canal inside of a tooth. And it makes sense because the nutrients come up through the bottom of the tooth, go up through the main canal, and then off through little side channels that are little feeder or nutrient channels that go all the way through the tooth, all the way to the outside so that you can get minerals from inside of you all the way to the outside of the tooth that you see, you know, the, the enamel you see. So those feeder channels are so little, they're too small to clean and they're too, too small to fill. So the main canal is filled up, but those little feeder channels still have dead tissue, still have dead nerve tissue, dead blood vessel tissue in them. What that does is it attracts bacteria. It's like those, you know, a beacon, shining beacon that just says dead stuff, dead stuff, bugs love dead stuff. So eventually they find the dead stuff still in that root. And once they find the dead stuff, your immune system has to work really hard to try to keep them from flourishing, from destroying more in the area. And eventually the immune system loses the battle, especially if your immune system is compromised in some other way, because you have some other disease, some other problem you're fighting, whatever it might be, even just the cold that you got last week may be enough to knock the immune system down so it can't fight this anymore. And then the bacteria start to spread and they destroy bone at the end of the root. That's what I'm looking for when I look on the CT scan. I'm looking to see, has the bone started to be eaten away by bacteria spreading at the end of the root from a failed root canal? Basically a root canal that still has dead tissue, which they all do, and the immune system was not able to keep that dead tissue and the bacteria associated with it at bay. So that's what we're looking at. And what I'm finding is this is exponential, <laughs> how many failed root canals there are. And here's the kicker, they don't hurt. Because people will say, well, I don't have any pain. You don't have pain with this because the nerve's gone. So it doesn't hurt anymore. The early warning system's totally turned off. And what I will find is like quarter size holes in people's jawbone just teeming with bugs and they have no pain, no sensation of it whatsoever. And they can't figure out why they can't get well and why they have all these chronic diseases and they just cannot get on top of them. Well, it's because your immune system is being severely compromised, fighting this long-term, low-grade, never- ending infection at the end of a root canal. 
So we do not do root canals in our practice. And we look at every root canal that someone already has to assess, is it still healthy or has this bacteria started to spread at the end of the root of that? If the bacteria started to spread every time you chew on that tooth, you literally, it's like stepping on a blister and it spreads that infection throughout the entire bloodstream. So this is not a good deal. You do not want this in your head. You do not want to be chewing with these teeth. That's what we're assessing is, is the infection already there and is it spreading? So is every root canal bad? People ask me that all the time. Is every root canal bad? I think eventually, yes, maybe not right now. And sometimes we'll recommend a root canal for someone to hold a space and to save a tooth for a little while, like a, a child, you know, a young boy. My son got a baseball to the mouth when he was 11. He broke three of his front teeth off. Needed Ouch. a root canal. Exactly. Needed, needed a root canal and it saved, it, it kept his teeth in place until he was 21 and old enough to get a dental implant. So, but he had a huge abscess by the time he was 21. So it was time to get that tooth out of his head. <laughs> so root canals are often very problematic and they're silent. They're silent. You don't know what's happening. So why on this website, I think it's holisticdentistry.com or something that says that there's the holistic dentist is going to be trained. I'm paraphrasing here, but trained to remove root canals in a specific way. Uh, why is that on there, do you think, when you yourself don't do them? So you know, we you don't do them. It's saying to remove them. So that is the next step. So if that tooth has reinfected and there is new infection at the end, we remove the tooth entirely. Oh, okay. So that's what it's talking about is there's a specific protocol for how to remove that tooth properly so that you can get all the infection that's deep in the bone now out and let that jawbone actually heal. So that's oh. what that is telling about is how to actually now take the tooth out that has had a root canal in the past, clean up the area and let the bone heal so that we can replace it with a dental implant. So I have a question. Uh, I went to the dentist back in 2014 and they said that, you know, I guess they, and I don't understand how this all works, but they have a category and you probably, you know, this. A one, two, three, four. I, I, I guess if you're in category four, you're screwed in terms of the <laughs> your bones being eaten up. I happen to be in category two and three in some areas of my mouth, and they told me here is what you need to do so that your bone doesn't decay anymore. And fortunately, I've been at nothing has changed. I floss every day with a uh, Listerine stick. It's one of the biggest problems I've had with flossing is it just is time consuming. This Listerine stick, I just floss, takes about a minute or less, and I'm done. Uh, is there any way to get my mouth back to where it should be below uh, one, two, three, or four, or whatever? You probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah, those are degrees of gum disease or stages of gum disease. So. Oh. So one, one is, yeah, that's healthy gums. No problem. Two is you've had some bone loss. You've had some bone loss and now there are deeper pockets between the tooth and the gum. And that's because you've lost jawbone. Three means you've lost even more jawbone and four means even more. And four, you're probably going to be losing teeth because there's not enough jawbone left to hold the teeth in. So two is good. You don't want to progress to three. You know, this sounds like you had a few areas, but hopefully the work you've been doing has gotten you back to a two. You don't ever get back to a one because it's based on the amount of bone you've lost. And this oh. kind of bone loss around teeth that we call gum disease, the, the, the kind of bone loss that comes from gum disease is irreversible. 
So you're not going to regain the bone around the teeth, but what you're working to do is to not lose any more and to create a healthy environment where the gum's healthy, the bone's healthy, there's no more bone loss, and you're going to stay stable at that point. So once you're once you've had gum disease, typically if you're stage two, you're going to stay stage two, but we'll call it stage two healthy. So you have bone loss that's previously occurred, but that loss has stopped and you are healthy and stable. So that's what you are hoping to achieve. And hopefully you are doing with the work you're doing diligently. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't have a holistic dentist. What I have been doing, though, is I've been going to the dentist about every three, I don't know, every three to four months to get my yeah. teeth cleaned. Perfect. And yeah, I'm not a, I, I don't go to a holistic dentist. A, there's not one up here. B, I can't afford it. But uh, as, as far as I know, and I think they tell me, but I haven't gotten any worse than a three. And so I must be doing something right, I guess. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. are good so let's talk about fluoride and then i want to get into your homestead and other things uh fluoride in the water i understand that you're against fluoride in the water uh, my my understanding is you're against fluoride with teeth is all that correct and why so the reason is Teeth don't have fluoride in them naturally. There, there's trace amounts, trace amounts of many minerals, but teeth aren't just full of fluoride. So when you're getting a cavity, what's happening is the minerals in the outside of the tooth and the enamel are called hydroxyapatite. And if acid sits on the tooth long enough, so this may be because you haven't brushed your teeth. This may be because there's a lot of bacteria and you fed it a lot of sugar and it creates acid. This may be because you're eating a lot of acids. So people drink a lot of soda and those things that are very acidic. So if acid stays on the tooth long enough, it will dissolve the minerals. This is just like the reason you pour a can of Coke over the battery terminals on your battery and it just kind of eats away all that corrosion and crud. Well, acid does the same thing to the minerals on your teeth as well. If it sits there long enough, well, it eats a hole in the tooth and that hole in the tooth then welcomes more bacteria in the bacteria sit in there. They excrete more acid and then they create a deeper hole. And that's what a cavity is. So the idea of putting fluoride in here or on the tooth or in the water or whatever it might be to prevent cavities is because years ago, back in the 1930s, they found that people who were drinking well water that had high levels of fluoride, had teeth that were more resistant to this dissolving, this acid dissolving that we just talked about. The problem is, is that the more fluoride they have, the more what are what's called mottled, it's kind of speckled the teeth become. They're bright white, like a white you don't really like, an unnatural white with brown, brown specks all over it. This is because this fluoride is incorporating in the place of the natural minerals of the tooth. Well, they said, well, if this is preventing cavities or keeping these teeth to be making these teeth cavity free, then maybe we should just add it to our water, add it to our toothpaste, add it to wherever in the hopes of stopping cavities. Again, the concept is good. And fluoride does make that crystal structure of your tooth stronger. It doesn't make it look great, but it makes it stronger. Well, the problem is it didn't work. There's still as many cavities today or more than there ever have been. 
And that fluoride doesn't just affect your tooth. So when you're putting it in your mouth and your toothpaste, you are swallowing it. People say, I don't swallow it. There's no way not to, because it's incorporating with your saliva and just the normal process of a mouth always swallows saliva. It's getting in through your gum tissue. The fluoride's getting into you. That fluoride is also changing your bone structure. Just like it's changing your tooth structure, it's changing your bone structure because bones are made of the same minerals the teeth are. So it's changing your bones and making them more brittle, stronger and more brittle. So there's higher hip fractures, higher bone fractures and highly fluoridated areas. I actually am not okay with that. It also changes the way that your thyroid hormone is working because thyroid hormone is activated by iodine and iodine and fluoride are cousins and fluoride is the bigger bully. So it will push iodine out of thyroid hormone. So you'll get a blood test. You say, oh, I'm really tired. I don't know why. Well, let's get a blood test. Let's see if your thyroid's working right. The blood test come, comes back and it says, it's fine. It's totally fine. The reason is, is because that hormone has been activated by fluoride, not by iodine. So it's not usable, but it shows up as fine on a blood test. So now hypothyroid levels are increasing. How many people do you know that have low thyroid issues and fatigue issues? So fluoride affects that. Fluoride even affects your brain. It actually creates calcification in a gland called the pineal, the pineal gland. And it affects your sleep. That's where the melatonin is released. It affects all sorts of things. So now we have this whole litany lit litany of litany of lists, you know, of things that fluoride does to the body compared to fluoride makes tooth stronger. Well, I'm not okay sacrificing the things in the body for making a tooth stronger because it's actually not eradicating tooth decay. It's not working. And we have something better. Fluoride was never in the tooth to begin with. Why did we replace something that was never there? I would rather replace what was lost. So what are, what is that acid dissolving? What's actually leaving? the hydroxyapatite, this mineral complex. So this is what I recommend instead. You don't need fluoride, you need hydroxyapatite. Thankfully, now there are products on the market. There's toothpaste, tooth powders, mouth rinses, all kinds of things that contain hydroxyapatite, which is the mineral that your teeth are actually made of. Fluoride isn't needed. Fluoride isn't useful because we can use hydroxyapatite instead and we can then get rid of all of those other side effects that are not desirable that come along with fluoride. That's why I don't want it. So when I was a kid, and I'm sure when you were a kid, uh, I'd go for a dental checkup every year, and the doctor would have me chew on these styrofoam containers, one at, the one at the top of my mouth, one at the bottom. It was fluoride. And it made my... So you're saying, yes, it makes your teeth stronger, but the problem is you, end, you can swallow just little drops of it, Correct. And especially that, think about those styrofoam trays that they put in your mouth. Those things were leaking fluoride everywhere. I had them as well. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was going into your system. So that's a high concentrated fluoride at the dentist too. Yeah. So that fluoride's getting into your bones. It's getting into your brain. It's getting into your thyroid. It's getting everywhere. Huh. Okay. Interesting. I did not know that. So I do dentists even do that anymore? I haven't had that done in my to my teeth and or do they just do that to little kids your traditional dentists they do it to kids and they do it every single day in practice still there is still very little understanding of the true role of fluoride inside of dentistry in fact if i say you know i i am very vocal i'm not i'm not i'm i'm very measured in the way i share things i'm not going to just say fluoride's terrible it's going to kill you you know I, I will never say that i'm going to say let's look at the science let's look at what fluoride actually does to the teeth and to the rest of you. Sure, it makes your teeth stronger, but so does this. And this is equally as good. 
fluoride also does these other bad things. I don't really want them. I don't want to put that in my body or my kid's body or my patient's body. So do you? So I'm very measured about this. I will share this in this way with dentists, hopeful that they will stop long enough to actually look at the science and look at the evidence and look and see what's around them rather than the problem is, is that some people will just start to say things like fluoride will kill you and fluoride will make your kids dumb. And, you know, that's not helpful because what it does is it makes people believe that anybody who's talking about fluoride is crazy, <laughs> you know, is crazy and doesn't have science and research to support them. That's not the way I approach this at all. I say, let's look at the science. Let's look at the research. Let's find out. Unfortunately, fluoride is still very much standard of care inside of dentistry. Oh, and I think it will be these, for a very long time. Yeah, unless we can have these measured, reasonable conversations about what's really happening. So that's why I encourage you as people that are listening to this, when you're talking to your dentist, don't go in with the crazy talk. You're making my kids dumber. Don't say that. Say, hey, have you seen the fluoride, the research that fluoride actually affects the pineal gland? It affects, you know, this and this. They won't have seen it because they're not doing the research, but you're going to look like you know what you're talking about now. And hopefully you'll be able to say, you know what, I just don't feel comfortable with that for my kiddos because I've seen a lot of research about the way it affects thyroid and the way it affects bones. And I don't really love that. Do you have hydroxyapatite? You know, we would love for you to do that for us. That way it's not confrontational. As soon as you start to confront someone about somebody, they're going to back back. They're going to back away. You know, they're going to back away. They're going to put out their defenses. Well, I don't want the defenses up. I want them down. I want them listening. I want them listening and thinking, oh, oh, that was an interesting. She was, she was pretty smart when she talked about that today. Maybe I should do a little research. Yeah, I'll tell you what. We're going to get on to other things here, too. But uh, if we had another hour, I'd love to talk to you about some other things. But I know you've got a tight schedule. <laughs> yeah, you talk to a dentist. Just a few minutes. <laughs> What's that? I have to be on a live in just a few minutes, sharing more of this to everybody. This is just what I do all day long now. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You talk to a dentist and you mention there shouldn't be fluoride in the water. Oh man, they get pissed at you. That's why you have to be very yeah. measured about it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. this? This is interesting. You know, just that's how I approach it. Well, let's talk about your homestead. Uh, I, I didn't know you had a homestead. Is it down there in Utah? It must. It is. Yep. So I guess you do it so that you can be more self-sufficient and grow your own food. And I assume from what I've read, you probably, it looks as though you invite people over to your homestead so that you can teach them how to be self-sufficient, correct? Yeah, this has been just a way of life for me long before I ever you know, even started teaching anybody about it. I've been a lifelong gardener and I, I love to cook. I love to grow my own food. It's just something I've always done. You know, I've canned food and preserved food and fermented food and we have greenhouses. And, but as I've started doing this and now I've started sharing, why would this be important for overall health? What does this do for us? And how is our food supply actually really compromised today? And, you know, these kinds of things And people have said, well, why don't you just teach us how to grow food? Your garden's you know, your tomatoes are eight feet tall. How do you do that? And so that's been fun for me to be able to share some of the things that I just do personally, because it's how I've always lived. And now I've been able to combine that together to say, this is also good for living well. This also helps you live well from a health standpoint, but also from a security standpoint, you're, you know, not dependent. I think COVID really shook everything up a bit. And we went, wow, really in a day, in a day, there could be no more butter in the stores. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> we didn't realize it was quite that shaky. You know, I don't think any of us knew quite how precarious that food supply really is until we saw it in action. Yeah, so you also have a charity called Well Foundation. It's a nonprofit charity. What exactly do you do there? I guess you that's where you educate folks. Yeah, my whole goal is to help people be able to do the things that help you live well. So grow your own food, even if it's in a pot on your windowsill. Um, know how to preserve food, even that if that's just a bag, a 50 pack bag, a 50 pound bag of potatoes that you stick under a porch on the, you know, on your back porch for the winter, just simple ways to increase that food security and increase the nutrition in every bite you take. So that's really what that foundation does is it's the education arm to help people be able to learn how to do this. Yeah, I, th I think it's a great idea. Unfortunately, it's a lost art. Uh, I'll admit, I don't know that much about canning. Mm -hmm. Now, some people say, oh, you're a guy. Guys weren't taught counting, canning much back in your day, which is true. <laughs> that doesn't mean I shouldn't learn. Of course, yeah, I, yeah I, I just haven't had much of an opportunity. And my mother used to can a lot, but then I was just a kid. I was more into listening to the radio and the nice, sexy ladies. You know how teenagers <laughs> are. and um, you know, and then life got in the way. She had a career and we just didn't do it anymore. I, I wish she would have taught me and maybe I should come to one of your seminars and learn how to can food. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. There's thankfully uh, a lot of stuff on YouTube and things too, for people everywhere. It, it really is, I think a lost art, but I also think it's a lost mindset and I don't yeah. like this mindset of dependence. You know, and I know that that's a catchphrase, but I, but I take it very literal. I don't want to depend. I don't want my family to, to depend on something outside of my own home and my own hands for their, their, their lives, you know, for their health and their lives. Well, I, I don't I like know that. that you are LDS as yep. am I. And the church used to really stress, keep a two-year food supply that got knocked down to three months. We won't get into why, but it did. I wish they would still preach those things from the pulpit. I don't know why they don't, but they should, in my opinion. Well, my take, because I actually was, uh, I was for seven years, was in charge of teaching all of my neighborhood congregation and an expanded neighborhood congregation about these self-sufficiency things. And the understanding that I had is that it's very difficult in any sort of, any sort of organization that's a global organization. Because there are places in the world that can't have three days of food, let alone three months or a year, you know, so from a global standpoint, it's not possible. That doesn't mean, however, that those of us that can shouldn't. That's really my take on it. Those that can should. We still should do this. We have the well, yeah. we have ability to do it. Those that can't, can't. We understand that. But we do. I can. I can. You know, I have a peach tree. Well, what do I do with those peaches? In the fall, I preserve all of those peaches. I freeze them, I dry them, I can them, and we eat those peaches all winter long. I have a peach tree. I should do that. So if you have a peach tree, you should as well. And I believe that this is something that really needs to be retaught. We need to learn how to care for ourselves again, because we've learned in 2020 that those that we've relied on to care for us actually can't. When push comes to shove, yeah. they can't do it. They don't have the ability to keep us fed either. So we need to learn how. 
Yeah, the best thing is uh, you have peaches in the country, so you can eat a lot of peaches. Yep. To quote a song from the President of the United States of America. And actually, <laughs> all the church would need to do is just say, "Where, if you live in a place where you can yep. store food, that's what they need to do. We understand if you can't, because you might live in a place, but if you can't, that's how they should word it. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. But anyway, uh, let's talk about the American Dental Association real quick. Why are they so against holistic dentistry? I ran it by some dentists that I'm close to, and they say it's a bunch of crap. I don't think so, but uh, why do are they so negative about it? Well, there's some very sacred cows that the American Dental Association, Association stands by. And let me explain a little. I actually have this conversation frequently because I think this is important for people to understand. The American Dental Association, their job is to protect the dentists. They are an organization of dentists for dentists. So they are a lobbying group that will help to establish goal or, uh, you know, um, laws and things that are favorable for the dental profession. They are a group that will help to approve procedures as standard of care to help standardize the profession. They are an organization for the profession. So let's use the example of mercury fillings. It is proven, and I can tell you now, I couldn't have, couldn't maybe a decade ago, but now I can, the mercury, there, each of those fillings has 50% mercury in them. That mercury is released from them 24-7. And mercury is the most neurotoxic, non-radioactive element on the planet. So it does make people sick and it does come out of those fillings all the time. If there were an American Dental Association decree, you know, that said that mercury fillings are toxic, they will make you sick and they should never be placed again. Guess what would happen in the United States of America? There would be a class action lawsuit against every dentist that has ever placed or removed a mercury filling. The American Dental Association works for dentists. Would that be a good thing for the American Dental Association to do? No, well, I would say no. But don't you think if they came out and just said, we we now discovered mercury feelings are poisonous and can't do it. They just can't. They're protecting the profession. They simply can't. Everybody who's ever had or has placed a mercury filling would be under class action lawsuit. It's just the way our litigation. Even society. if it was just worded, we just now discovered this or through 10 years of research, even if they worded it that way. You would think, but they can't take the risk. Their job, they are paid by my dues. I pay $800 a year to be a member of the American Dental Association, as does every dentist in the United States that is a member. They are paid by the dentists. They will do whatever it takes to keep that dentist and the profession out of lawsuits and safe period there's no word they, they they it's not worth the risk to them people need to understand that isn't and it's not nefarious it's not like a bad thing it's not shady you have to just look who pays them they're paid by the dentists they're there to help the dentists they're not there to okay. help people they're not there to help you that's not the american dental association job <laughs> their job is to help the dentists you don't pay them i pay them that's the job. So yeah, you have to, sometimes you have to follow the money. You just have to know who pays you, who pays them. Then it makes sense. So they will never say that mercury fillings are dangerous. They will never say that fluoride's a problem. They will never say these things. Never. 
Okay, so, so I, I'm curious well, about something. Why do you pay $800? Why are you even in the American Dental Association <laughs> if they're shooting your profession down? That's a great question. It's because if there ever is a lawsuit that I have to defend, they will say, you're not even in traditional dentistry. You're not a member of the American Dental Association. You're not American, a member of the Utah Dental, Dental Association. I need to be able to say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm following standard of care for everything. I'm I'm exactly right in the middle of mainstream. So it's protection for me. It's just to keep myself safe. It's just the okay. way the world works. <laughs> so even though works. I'm sure that they know that you're a holistic dentist, a uh, holistic dentist though, by now. There's so many dentists. You'd, you'd have to do something pretty big, I think, to get on the radar. Okay. Interesting. Well, is there anything else that uh, I missed or that I should, uh, do you want to go over real quick? Well, I think just maybe your last question, you know, is holistic dentistry crazy? Is it all just hooey? Like, you know, you've talked to a couple of dentists. I think that that's part of the reason that I actually don't call myself a health-based or a holistic dentist. I like to use the terms health-based dentistry. The reason I like to use that is because when you say holistic, automatically people think you're crazy. They think that you have incense burning in your office and you've got beads in the door and you're wearing tie dye and, you know, <laughs> and then nothing is research based and nothing scientific that you're not using any standard of care procedures. That's the furthest thing from the truth for my practice. If you come to my practice, anyone who comes to my practice, they are blown away. They're like, this is the most technologically advanced place I've ever been to in my life. You got it. And if you ask me a question about any of these things, I'm going to be able to cite research and science, and I'm going to be able to tell you exactly how it works. Why? Because I am under the gun a lot more than just your neighborhood dentist. Nobody's questioning what he's doing. Nobody's asking why or how or to prove it. Nobody's asking that, but they're asking me that all the time. So I call myself a health-based dentist because the things I do are to improve health. I do work for you. You, the patients are my employer. So my job is to improve health for every single person that I care for. That's my job. And I'm working to do my job to improve health for everything that I do and everything that I do, every procedure I do to talk about health and everything that I'm doing. That has to be defended. And many dentists that are saying this is all just crazy have no clue what I'm doing. They have no clue. They say, oh, holistic dentistry, that's just crazy. They have no clue what I'm doing. So I challenge people to ask these questions. And I always say that if you're looking for an answer for your health, for better health, for whatever it might be, if you're looking for an answer, you have to ask a question. And if a practitioner is not allowing you to ask a question, then you need to find a new practitioner <laughs> because the answers can only come if you can ask questions. So to me, someone who's saying that holistic dentistry is all just crazy talk, well, they're not asking questions. They're being lazy. They're being lazy and just saying, oh, I heard that it's crazy. Go do some research. Go actually look and see what we're doing. Go look and see how health is improving by what we're doing. So basically, I try to be very measured in my approach. I am not controversial. I don't try to push buttons. I don't try to put people down. I don't like, I don't say anybody is doing anything that they shouldn't do. I just say, let me show you why I'm doing what I'm doing. Just watch me. Let, let's talk. Let's ask, you know, ask me your questions. I'm happy to answer all of them. And that's what I encourage people to do rather than just writing something off as crazy to say, oh, what's actually going on there? Let's maybe ask some questions. We'll see if they make sense. So that's why I call it health-based industry. So it's just about your health because you are my employer and I want to help you be healthy. 
Yeah, I have to ask you real quick. Are you worried about the FDA or some of these uh, alphabet organizations coming after you or not? Because it has happened to people like you. It has happened. That's why I'm very, very researched. I don't do okay. anything that I can't back. Yep. I'm well, any, anything else you want to uh, discuss here real quick? That's it. Thank you for sharing this information. Love that you worked to get it out there. Well, yeah, thanks very much, and I will talk to you later, folks. Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams. If you want to follow the podcast on Facebook, do a search on Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone, and the Facebook page will pop right up. If you want to follow the podcast on X, True Social, and Gitter, search for at RKY Freedom. That's at RKY Freedom. Also, this podcast now has a hashtag called RKY Freedom. Therefore, if you want to comment on something I had said during this podcast or written about on social media, use the hashtag RKY Freedom. If you have a suggestion or think I should interview a guest, then email me, Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at P R O T O N M A I L.com. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast.